Hey y'all, welcome back to I Be Knowing Shit Podcast. It's me, your host, the one and only Goddess Aloam, Miss Foxy if you're nasty. Here on IBKS Podcast, we dive into the mysteries of the universe and everyday life, share personal stories and practices to connect, educate, and inform. Get ready for mind-expanding, thought-provoking conversations, and enlightening insights. And, you know, we're going to have a time up in here. So take a deep breath, center yourself, and let's dive into this week's episode. I mean, so of course I'm not going to talk about what I originally planned to talk about this episode. (laughs) Y'all should know how I do by now. Now, eventually, I will get to astrology and numerology. I promise. I'll get to it. I will. But this has been on my heart on my mind or my spirit to talk about i usually don't use notes but i want to make sure i touch on everything that i plan to touch on in this episode because i feel like it's going to be very i mean not that the other episodes aren't important to people because from what i'm told they are i want to make sure i just touch on everything i plan on touching on so pardon the papers moving around if you hear them because i do have my notes so to my listeners who have been listening from the beginning y'all know the things that I've went through in the recent past and most of y'all know that I do tarot readings and I do energy readings and I've been doing I've been doing tarot readings for a long time I've been doing energy readings for since forever Last year, I took a break because um, of what happened with my little brother. And then I was healing from an illness. Y'all know, I was healing from cancer. So I believe that, I'm just going to speak for myself. I don't do any type of readings or energy work on people when I'm going through traumatic situations. Not just like regular daily life stuff. But when I'm going through something traumatic or something that can be traumatic or when I don't feel good, if I'm healing from something, um, I would say a cold, but I don't get colds like that. But if I did, I wouldn't do any type of reading or any type of divination work on anybody during that time. I don't do readings um, when I'm hungry. And I don't do them when I'm tired. I don't do them when I'm in a bad mood because I feel like it would be a disservice to my clients and it'll just be plain out bogus because energy is energy. And I don't want to give somebody an off reading. I don't want to be in a, a bad mood while I'm doing a reading. You can interfere with the message that you're really supposed to be giving out. And that's just my belief. And tarot reading and energy reading, just readings period was a big part of my, um, and I was, I do picture readings too. It was a big part of my income. So I sacrificed a big part of my income because I just, 
I'm just not the type of person. I, I could have kept doing them, but I believe it would have been a disservice to my clients. So I didn't. I may have, I think I did two last year. The whole year, I believe. Last year went by. The year been, went by so quick. It is weird and creepy. So, yeah, I believe I only did two readings last year. Now that I'm in a better space, mentally and emotionally, spiritually and physically, I started back doing readings. And so that's why I decided to not talk about numerology. This episode, I feel like is more, has more urgency than the numerology right now. Let's get into it. So people are going to always go through things. And sometimes when you go through certain situations, it's hard to get back to who you really are. And it's hard to get back on track. It's hard to even plan goals and to even start working on them. Because after a while, you wire your brain to think how you're thinking. It becomes a habit. If you get in this in this mode, in this mood, in this funk, and you're always sad and you're always down, that becomes a habit. Let's get into it. Let's talk about how to rewire your brain to get back to setting goals and get back to being the best version of yourself that you can be. We're going to talk about self-esteem, self-efficacy, which that's why I really have my notes because nobody ever talks about self-efficacy. We talk about self-esteem. We talk about self-respect. We talk about self-love. We talk about all the selves. Nobody ever talks about self-efficacy. It's a concept that was created by the psychologist Albert Bandura. In short, it's just a person's belief in their capacity to do certain things. But let's talk about the the definition. I'm going to read y'all the actual definition of it just so you really, really understand what self-efficacy is in case you don't. So it's a, it's a person's belief in their ability to complete a task or achieve a goal. It encompasses a person's confidence in themselves to control their behavior, exert an influence over their environment, and stay motivated in the pursuit of their goal. People can have self-efficacy in different situations and domains such as schoolwork, relationships, and other important areas. That is why I want to touch on that. It's very important. First, we'll start by talking about how to rewire your brain. Now, our brains have something in it called neuroplasty, right? It is the essential ability to change the brain and grow new connections within itself. I'm not going to get too deep into that, but it's, it's cognitive flexibility. Cognitive flexibility is basically being able to rewire your brain, rewire the way you think. Now, if your brain is impoverished, 
you can have an impoverished brain, y'all. The environment, the the um, the environment of the brain can be impoverished, and your brain won't grow if you deprive your brain of new stimulations. Because your brain is a is an organ. Your brain is a muscle. So if you deprive your brain of new stimulations and you bore it with the same stuff day after day, day after day. With no new connections, your brain will wither away and shrink, I believe. Okay? That's how people get dementia and Alzheimer's disease. If you're doing the same thing day in and day out, your brain has no new stimulation. It's going to wither away and shrink. So exercise your brain with new things. And I'm gonna we're going to talk a lot about the different things that you can do to stimulate your brain. Because this is this is important to me. And I hope it's important to y'all. Because who the fuck want to have Alzheimer's? And who want to have dementia? And I believe that it causes depression too. So one way that you can stimulate your brain and develop cognitive flexibility is creating new routines in the morning. Now this may sound weird or it may sound like it won't work, but it will. Now, y'all know I am not a licensed therapist, a psychologist, or none of that, but I did take psychology. <laughs> I took psychology in college for four years. It wasn't my major, but I just love psychology. So really, these are uh, notes from my psychology classes and from my, my thesis and my research papers. I know a little something, something, y'all. I told y'all I'd be knowing shit now. Now, one of the ways this is, I did this myself. So everything that I wrote down, I actually tried it myself at one point. This is one of the first things that I did. When I woke up in the morning, I closed my eyes and I walked to the bathroom with my eyes closed. I got dressed. I got undressed with my eyes closed. I got in the shower with my eyes closed. I got out the shower with my eyes closed and I did this. I did this for about, it was so weird. It was so odd, but for it's really a good exercise for your brain. It's good for developing cognitive flexibility. I think I did this for about two weeks. I wish I would have did it longer. I wish I would have did it for 30 days, but I did it for two weeks and I wanted to do these other exercises too. I went to the garage. I went to my garage with my eyes closed. Look, it was hard. I had to find the key to my garage door with my eyes closed. Unlock the door with my eyes closed. Unlock my car door with, with my eyes closed. And start my car with my eyes closed, which means I had to find the ignition. All of that. I did all that for two weeks. No, I ain't driving my eyes closed, y'all. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> but I did that for two weeks. And I'm telling y'all, it does help. It, it's really odd, of course. And you want to open your eyes and you want to peep. But keep your eyes closed. It's odd. It's odd at first. It's odd for a while. But it really helps with cognitive flexibility. And another thing you can do is use your left hand for everything. I tried that too. I wish I would have kept doing it because I, I did get get good. I painted my toes. 
Dang, look all that. Um, dang, look all that nice. I tried to write with my left hand. That's one that I wish that I would have kept up with. If your dominant hand is your left hand, then of course use a right hand. And if you ambidextrous, then you got the cheat code. You just need to do one of the other exercises because that's not going to make a difference for you. Other things that you can do is just try your new routine in the morning when you wake up. Do something different. Take a different route to work. Take a different route to shop, to go shopping. Just do different things and small things do count. If you ever got in your car and you're supposed to go one place and you ended up going somewhere else that you because you always go that direction or you always go that place without even thinking, that's a sign that you need to work on cognitive flexibility. You need some change. Your brain is too used to doing the same stuff. It's on autopilot at that point. Small things that you can do is eat something that you never ate before. Eat something you didn't like as a kid. I tried that one because I hate string beans. String beans just don't do it for me. It, it just... Mm-mm. I, I just... I skipped that. Because I'm not, I'm not going to torture myself when there's so many other things I can do. This one I did. You can sit in the back of your car while somebody else drives. If you have never been in the back of your car and you get in the back of your car while somebody else is driving, it feels so freaking weird. It feels so strange. Now that my boys are old enough to drive, I do it. It, it was even weird being in a passenger seat because I'm not used to nobody driving me around. So it was strange. But being in the back, it's a, it's a weirder that's please try that one please get in the back of your own vehicle and let somebody else drive that one was it, it i was just like what the fuck so that's how y'all feel back here do do that now these things might seem small but you have to give your your brain something new unless you cool with it withering away then hey by all means go right ahead tiny brain ain't nothing i can do about that Learn to play a new instrument. That's a good one. Learning to play a new instrument really helps your brain create new connections. I feel like learning to play an instrument is one of the best ways. It's one of the best ways to help your brain create new connections. If you can't afford to take lessons for somebody to teach you how to play, baby, YouTube, University, TikTok, utilize them get on there it is actually people on there who will teach you start to finish to play a new instrument and if you can't afford one the thrift store pawn shops facebook market craigslist don't make no excuses painting painting is a really good way to help with cognitive flexibility and to help your brain create new connections now ain't no excuse to to not be painting and also, it is people on YouTube and TikTok who will start to finish teach you how to paint and how to draw. Learning to type with all 10 fingers. Now we eight. Using your thumb too. That's a great way. And I ain't gonna hold you. I don't use my thumb to type. So that's probably one that I can work on myself. 
change all the furniture in one room and do it every six months in a di- in a do it in a different room, baby. You ain't got to tell me, cause what I'm gonna do is change everything and probably throw everything away <laughs> and get new stuff. I'm just giving y'all very easy ways to avoid, possibly avoid depression, to avoid dementia, and and Alzheimer's. To to it, the stuff is avoidable. Now. Let me not get too deep. Let me not get too deep. And why these people don't tell you how how to avoid being like this. They'll tell you, oh, Alzheimer's is hereditary and dementia is hereditary. Baby, please get out of my face with that. Please get out of my face. And if you have an older relative, an older relative, give them these tips. Here's some social exercises for the people who don't care about being social. That will help your brain form new connections. To help your brain with cognitive flexibility. Talk to a stranger for at least 10 minutes. Maybe not every day, but whenever you out and you can, talk to a stranger for at least 10 minutes. That's not a problem with me. It seems like anytime I'm out, a stranger is always telling me their life story. And I, and I ain't going to hold you. I don't always be want to hear it. Like, I ain't come out here for this. Sometimes it's cool, but God damn, back up off me. Read out loud. Read out loud to somebody. (laughs) Read out loud to somebody once a day. You don't have to read a whole book. So these are just, these are just tips to help. If you find yourself having depression and you don't know why or anxiety, it could be because your brain is, your brain is suffering. Your brain needs exercise. Your brain needs stimulation. And I'm not talking about watching the same shows every night, every day. That is not stimulating. Your brain needs real stimulation. Study something. Find a subject and study it. Learn a new language. Journal. Write something. Help yourself help yourself. Alrighty, I'm going to get into, I don't think I have to tell y'all what the definition of self-esteem is. I feel like I haven't heard anybody really talk about self-efficacy, so that's why I gave y'all the definition of that. But on the self-esteem note, I'm pretty sure everybody who's listening knows what self-esteem is. It's your belief in your, your abilities. Of what you're capable of. It's just your belief in yourself. It's your belief in you being worthy of happiness. Nathaniel Brandon said, the ultimate source of, the ultimate source of self-esteem can only be internal. And I believe that. Let's talk about why self-efficacy is important. When your self-efficacy is low. You worry that you might not be able to do things that you need to do and that certain um, things you need to do, certain tasks you need to complete is beyond your ability. Your perception of your self-efficacy can really influence how you do things in your everyday life. And it influences what you avoid doing. Okay, so self-esteem 
is self-efficacy plus self-respect. So if you have self-efficacy and you have self-respect, then your self-esteem is high. Now, self-respect, self-respect is what you think and feel about yourself. Without self-respect and without self-efficacy, you really can't have self-esteem. Um, being arrogant and being boastful are not the same as having high self-esteem. It's really an overestimation of abilities. And it's most likely reflecting of how inadequate a person really feels. They may appear to have high self-esteem, but in reality, they feel inadequate. Don't get the two mixed up. Those people are really people who have really an overestimation of their own abilities. Slightly delusional, maybe. So on the outside, they have to go overboard with how they feel about themselves. Because on the inside, it ain't it. Let's get into self-concept. Self-concept is facts and opinions and beliefs and perceptions about yourself. What is your self-concept about yourself? Let's start there. Write that down. I know this ain't school, y'all, but I'm taking you there. Write that down because we don't hear about self-concept either. What is self, what is the self-concept of yourself? What facts, opinions, beliefs, and perceptions do you have about yourself? You got to know this. Once you know this, once you once you have it on your conscious mind, the facts about yourself, the opinions about yourself, not other people's opinions, beliefs about yourself, perception about yourself, not other people's perception. Nobody can't tell you shit about you. Write that down. I'm serious, y'all. This is important. Because <laughs> can't nobody tell you nothing about you. Everybody talk about self-love this and self-love that, but they don't tell you how to get the self-love, and this is how to get the self-love. Self-efficacy, self-respect, equals self-esteem, and knowing and having a self-concept. And a lot of people, a lot of people have external locus control. External locus control is when a person believes that their life is almost totally controlled by outside forces and that they have little to no personal responsibility for what happens to them. People develop external locus control when they have no self-concept, when they have no self-efficacy, when they have no self-esteem, they have no self-respect. I can't imagine believing that my life is almost all the way out of my control. Like I barely have control over my life because some outside force is controlling my life. Sounds like religion, sounds a lot like Christianity, but I'm not talking about that. But also, yes, because if you believe that God has total control over your life, you are a person that takes zero accountability for what happens to you. And that sucks. If you believe, oh, God did this and the devil did that, baby, you got, you. first of all, a lot of people use the devil 
air quotes, as a scapegoat for bad things that happen. Instead of taking accountability for causing these things to happen or playing a part of these things happening in their life, or instead of blaming who's to blame or whatever is to blame. Do you have external locus of control? It's not a good thing to have. Because when you believe that outside forces control your life, when you're going through something, you can't even get yourself out of the situation. You can't get yourself out of depression or get out of anxiety because you believe that something or someone else is controlling your life. Let's move on to the characteristics of people with low self-esteem. They tend to maintain external locus control they more likely to participate in self-destructive behaviors and tend to exhibit poor human relationship skills. On the other hand, when you have high self-esteem, you maintain internal locus control, which means you believe that you have almost, if not total control over your life and the things that happens in your life. People with internal locus control believe they are largely responsible for what happens to them. And they maintain internal locus control. They're able to feel all dimensions of emotions without letting those emotions affect their behavior in a negative way. That's important. If you suffer with depression, you might want to think about, do you have external locus control? And you might want to work about, on getting internal locus control. People with high self-esteem are less likely to take things personal. Don't take it personal. Baby, 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 just one of them days that a girl go through. <laughs> Don't want to take it out on you. Shout out to Monica. <laughs> People with high self-esteem are able to accept others as unique talented individuals you are able they are able to accept others for who they are and how they are people with high self-esteem have productive personalities let's go to raise your self-esteem to a high level of self-awareness to accurately perceive your particular balance of strengths and weaknesses Take time to list carefully and examine the defining moments in your life. Okay? Pay special attention to those that were decidedly negative and try to determine how these moments have shaped your current self-concept. See how I'm bringing it back around? I hope y'all keep it up with this. It can be a little confusing, but I just brought it back around to self-concept. I'm going to say that again. To develop high self-esteem, if you don't have high self-esteem, carefully examine the defining moments in your life. Okay? Pay special attention to those that were decidedly negative, meaning you decided to allow those moments to be negative. And how do those moments shape your self-concept, your, your facts and opinions and perception of yourself? Use positive self-talk. I told y'all before, baby, I be in the mirror amping myself up you got to you know how sometimes you'll be like damn I'm so stupid or damn that was stupid of me or oh I look disgusting I, now I don't I don't say that <laughs> I have <laughs> I have but I don't now I don't do no negative self-talk to myself 
Use positive self-talk to yourself. And I mean all day. You got to talk to yourself. You don't have to do it out in the open. You can do it in, in privacy. Do it in the bathroom. Do it in your room when you're by yourself. But have positive self-talk with yourself throughout the day. And I mean do it every day. Okay? What is your characteristic like? What's your personal standards of behavior? Do people even think about that? What is your personal standards of behavior? What's stuff that you absolutely will not do? What's stuff that you will do? Are you an honest person? Do you have integrity? What's your morals? What's your moral strength? What are your personal values and beliefs? What are the personal... What are some personal beliefs and preferences that... Preferences that influence your behavior that's your values what are your core values do people even talk about this type of shit these days do it do anybody have fucking core values it seems like most people don't and that's the goddamn problem this is the stuff that needs to be taught in school and to children integrity character values core values this shit need to be taught to kids and it's not it's not taught in school it's not taught by parents and that is the problem I mean, we in hell regardless, but hell don't got to be that that bad. It can be better than what it is. Not going to hold y'all too long. Too much longer. But um, I'm going to leave y'all with this. Stop watching those ghetto ass shows every night. Y'all know what I'm, y'all know what I'm talking about. Every night, it's not necessary. It's not even necessary once a week. You're turning your brain to to mush. Do something better. I know sometimes everybody want a little drama. It's okay every once in a while. But just to just be dedicated to that shit is insane. I'm going to leave y'all with this. Whatever you expose yourself to is what shapes your brain. What you do, what you watch, what type of people you around, it shapes your brain. And it attracts like likeness of into your life. Maybe not the same. Maybe the baddies won't come beat your ass and fight you. But it definitely attracts that type of energy into your life when you sit up and watch that stuff all the time. That is why I do not read urban novels all the time. I will. I've wrote, I've written an urban novel. Ain't nothing wrong with reading that type of stuff sometimes, but if that's all you read, you got to switch it up. You have to switch it up. I'm not knocking nobody. I know people who are addicted to the drama shows, baddies. You got to watch baddies East, West, South, and where else the hell they at. I said this in another episode, and I'm not going to keep saying it. And I'm and baddies is all I can think of because I keep saying it. Uh... Whatever other shows out there that are just full of drama and you're addicted to it and you can't wait till it come on. You just keep watching it and you watch every goddamn uh, branch of it. That's a problem. You feeding that stuff to your brain. And that's what I'm going to leave y'all with. But don't forget, I do accept donations at Nocturnal Butterfly Me. That's my cash app. Y'all listening is really enough though i appreciate it but i'm trying to stay ad free i'm gonna stay ad free 
I make no promises. I'll try to stay ad free. Now, when I when I blow up, I don't know what to tell y'all. I don't know what to tell y'all about that. The power of words. The power of what you feed your brain. Think about it. Do that homework I told y'all to do. What's your self-concept? And let me know. Y'all can email me at ibeknowingshit at gmail.com. You can go on my Facebook page, Goddess Siloam. Drop me a line. Drop me a message. I want to know what y'all think about this episode, per usual. Yay, we made it to the end. I really want to thank y'all for tuning in and for being a part of Ivy Knowing Shit Podcast Tribe. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I certainly hope there was something useful you took away from it. Don't pass up the opportunity to let me know what you think by leaving a rating and review on the podcast platform you're listening from. And be sure to subscribe because you don't want to miss a beat. You can always download this and any other episode and listen to it at a later time. For more content, join me on TikTok, IG, and YouTube at I Be Knowing Shit. So, before I let you go, go, honey, did you know that you can leave me a voice note? All you gotta do is go to Spotify Podcast, click on I Be Knowing Shit profile, and hit message to send a voice note. There you can let me know what you think about the show give your input and leave suggestions for future topics that's it that's it that's it we meet again next week y'all come back now you hear